This sermon was recorded at the Midtown Congregation of Redeemer Fellowship, a church that exists to cultivate communities of transformed disciples who live for the glory of God and the good of the city. For more information, visit RedeemerKansasCity.org. Amen. Okay, good morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, would you open to 1 Peter we're going we're gonna to show up there in a minute, and then I'm going to basically do, uh, if you grew up going to Sunday school, I'm going to basically do sword drill all, all morning. Uh, we're going <laughs> to kind of be all over. Um, hey, so my, my desire uh, with, with the time that we have left here, my, my purpose is in some ways to try to attempt to bring our family into how we've sought to respond through this season, season as a leadership team and invite you to a posture of response together as a family. Like as, as we walk into the summer, as we walk into the months ahead, uh, what's, what's the invitation into how do we want to live together? You could, uh, if you want a title, I'm not big on titling my messages, but if you want a title, uh, you could say something like seeking to respond with love and humble trust. Um, that's, that's my desire for us to, this morning to promote among us a, a posture of love in the midst of confusion and difficulty and uh, what, what we've been walking through and then a, a posture of humble trust. And we'll talk at how those are gonna be expressed. Um, let me pray for us, and then, and then we'll, uh, we'll jump in. Father, we, we do come to you in the name of Jesus. I want to thank you that you're uh, alive, that you are in control, that you are the head of your church. God, thank you that you are good and that you do good. I ask that you would allow us this morning the grace to hear from your word, to be reminded of your truth, to be encouraged and edified in the midst of the season we find ourselves in, to walk together with a purpose of unity of heart, focus of pursuit. God, would you bring about something that we can't produce in and among us? God, I ask that you would release the Spirit's work in our midst. You would manifest your presence and manifest your gifts and manifest your fruits. Would you allow us to be more like your Son, this morning, we ask in his name and for his glory, amen. Okay, so I wanna do three parts and they may feel, uh, I, I pray they don't feel disjointed from one another, but I've got three um, encouragements and invitations for us this morning. Three specific ones uh, as it relates to where we find ourselves. Um, the first is related to what I believe that we need the most in this season. The second is going to be an attempt to uh, 
outline a little bit of what our posture has, we've sought to do together as elders and as leaders through kind of the muddy waters that we've walked through in the last 18 months or so. Um, and then with an invitation in to us as a family to walk in that way together. Um, I won't say that yet. <laughs> I was gonna give a little tip off uh, to say, I'll just say it. I, one of those weird, weird moments. Um, I don't know if it's gonna get any clearer in the next several months. I can't promise you that things are gonna get easier uh, on the short horizon. I can't promise you that. Uh, there's actually a, a lot of reason to believe they're going to become more confusing, more difficult, harder in the days that come. And so my desire is to go, what have we sought to do and where have we sought to grow and what posture have we sought to embody and can we as a church family seek to do that together before the face of God? That's, that's the second part. And then the third part is a little more specific. How are we posturing ourselves this summer as it pertains to uh, with a with a big shift for our church and all that that means for us. All that that means for us as a leadership team, all that means for us structurally, organizationally, uh, leadership-wise, all those things. How have we decided to set ourselves this summer and then want to invite you into that as well? Okay, so the first thing, what do we need the most in this season? Um, there's, again, lots of questions, lots of uncertainty, lots of places where we're trying to give uh, helpful communication, but aren't able or aren't uh, even, even cognitively with like wisdom and knowledge able to fill in all the gaps and all those kind of things. Um, Ricky mentioned a couple times like, hey, your questions, all your questions aren't gonna get answered this morning. And I, I've, as I've come into this morning thinking about, okay, what do we need in this season? I think what we need in this season is really simple. And I don't want to come across as like making light of something or trying to turn our gaze or our attention. But I think where we find ourselves both as a small C church, Redeemer Fellowship, and as the large C church in our moment is the greatest thing that we need together is the knowledge of God. We need the knowledge of God to be alive and abundant and awakened in us as a people. I have had Daniel 11 uh, verses 32 and 33 just swirling around in my soul over the last several weeks. And Daniel 11 is potentially, if you're just reading through it, maybe one of the more confusing chapters in the scripture, but it's speaking of a time of trouble that's going to face the people of God. And there's going to be this person that emerges that's seeking to bring seduction and opposition and uh, destruction against God and his ways in the world. And he's seeming to win. He's seeming to have this power to overcome them and press them back on their heels. And they're wondering what to do. And the prophet Daniel has this sentence in Daniel 11, 32 and 33 that I think is, remarkable for us, speaking of a profound season of uncertainty and confusion and hardship. He says, 
the people who know their God will do these things. He doesn't say the people with all the answers, the people with all the strategies, the people with all of the, the, the tips and tricks and programs and all these kind of things. He doesn't even say like the people with great community and the people with all the things that we would long for. He doesn't say any of those things. He says the people that know God, they stand strong, they stand firm, he says. And they take action or they, they move forward. And I think we find ourselves in our moment, and you've probably heard me say this a lot of times, I think again, both in the internal realities that we are facing as a church and the cultural or societal realities we're facing in our moment, I think the greatest need that we have is to know God. And I think the greatest place of trial or the greatest maybe threat, if, if we're going in line with what Chris brought for us, one of the greatest threats to us is to get distracted in all of these other places and wake up several years from now or six months from now or whenever and go, I, the conversation got changed from me knowing God to me trying to figure out everything that was going on. I think that it has potential to be one of the greatest threats against us. We're a people who are called to know God, to stand in his presence, to feast on his word, to proclaim his word to one another, to edify one another in accordance with his word, to call one another, to align our lives with the values of the person of God and his kingdom as it's expressed in and among his people. That's what we're called to do. And that, I believe, is the greatest need we have right now. So that's my first encouragement exhortation is let's pursue the knowledge of God. A lot of things can be really confusing and unsure. You wanna know what is sure? The gospel of Jesus. The gospel of Jesus is sure. God has broken into this world. His kingdom has crashed into this present evil age and he has made a way for people who were his enemies, rebellious against him, to be part of the family, to be brought into the kingdom. And now as those who by the truth of Christ's death resurrection and our invitation into the kingdom, we now get to pursue him wholeheartedly and seek to be his witnesses in the world. That's really clear. That's really clear. That doesn't change. There is nothing that changes there, right? So that's number one. I think the greatest need we have in this season is that. Okay, the second thing. How have we sought to walk through this season and what's an invitation that I have for us in that? So the past 18 months in the life of our church have been a really intense time of refining, discipline, opposition in and among our church. 
Now, every believer that seeks to walk faithfully to Jesus will experience seasons like this. And it's true of every spiritual family as well. There are seasons in God's purpose where he will allow this kind of mixture of things to happen in and among a life or among a family of believers where we experience heightened refining and discipline and opposition and uncertainty. And we've been walking through something like that. Now, as Ricky mentioned, one of the ways this has been expressed in the last year is in an atmosphere of confusion, accusation. There's been a lot of maligning. There's been slander. There's confusion related to that uh, around a lot that's been happening here. Now, let me give you a definition. And I'm going to give you a definition of slander. And it's one, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, that is not well appreciated. Okay, but I think it is biblical. Slander is anything where we share like or uncover related to someone, to other people outside of the biblical process. Now, I want you to notice something. I didn't say that it's categorically false or it's only false or it's only these things. It has to do with process. And the Bible has given us a process. And the Bible, the process of the Bible leads to life. Okay? It leads to life. And do not let someone tell you that to hear or submit to the process of the scriptures is to distort reality or to turn you in a different direction. Okay? That is being proffered widespread in our world right now. And I want to go, the scripture outlines the way that we are to live together as the people of God, and it is good. It is good. It is difficult. That, does, that it's good and leads to life and it leads to flourishing does not mean that it's not hard. Right? Taking up a cross is hard. But Jesus says, if you lose your life, you will find it. If you try to do all the things to find your life, you're going to lose it in the end. That is a difficult teaching. It's hard. It requires empowering grace. But just because something is hard does not mean it won't lead to true flourishing. All right? So this is what we found ourselves in. And many ministries walk through seasons like we've walked through, right? Some more intense, some less intense. But I want to highlight specifically this morning the way that we've sought to walk out our response. And again, I want to invite you into this. I want you to invite, to invite you into this. I want for us to have proper perspective, understand what's happening in this season and to respond rightly in accordance with biblical principles, not to respond in kind or out of a spirit of fear or anxiety or the like. So I had you open to 1 Peter. Part of the purpose of 1 Peter is to encourage believers that are experiencing just this type of opposition. In the season of the early church, there were some expressions of physical persecution, but it also included like verbal, reviling, maligning, all those kind of things. Look at, uh, we're going we're gonna to just run through a few few things in 1 Peter. In chapter 1, 
This is the occasion of the letter in verse six. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith. So what Peter's using here is the language of testing a gold or testing a metal, right? You test the quality of a metal by putting it through fire and pressure, right? So he says, you're going to walk through these trials. They will grieve you. You will experience sorrow and grief and pain in the midst of them so that walking through them, the, the quality of your faith will be shown for what it is. A biblical test is not about passing and failing. A biblical test is about showing the quality of. It's an invitation. We get to see all of the dross that's in the metal of our souls, so to speak, right? It comes to the surface. You walk through the fire, the, the genuine is separated out from the dross and the dross comes to the surface and the Lord in his love comes along and he scrapes the dross off the top and says, that's why I did this. That's, that's what's happening, right? So more precious than gold that perishes, though, though it is tried by fire, your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Jesus ordains seasons like this for us so that the genuineness of our faith might be shown and we get to result in praise for God, glory for God, honor for him when we stand in the presence of Jesus. That's the goal, okay? Chapter two, verse 23. Peter moves on and he's talking about Jesus and his example walking through difficult seasons. Look at verse 21, we'll just start there. For this you have been called because Christ suffered for you, leaving an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Take a pen and circle entrusting himself or continued entrusting himself. Underline that, highlight that, put a big old star by that. That's a really important exhortation that we'll get to here in a minute. First Peter three sixteen. he continues. Look at 15. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ might be put to shame. Then lastly, 1 Peter 4, we looked at this a couple weeks ago when we were looking at John 15 as well. 1 Peter 4, 13, 12 to 13. Beloved, do not be surprised at a trial when it comes upon you to test you. Again, why does Peter have to exhort us to not be surprised? Because we're taken off guard. It's surprising. He says, beloved, don't be surprised. This is, this is what we walk through. 
Rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering that you may rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory in God rests upon you. So the Bible then outlines a response for walking through this, right? The Bible gives us a posture, a, a way of inhabiting that we are to hold on. And I wanna, I wanna just give three elements of that. Turn with me to Luke chapter six. Luke chapter six is Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount. And what we see here is Jesus outline a posture for those, his, his people in, in the face of difficulty. And he gives, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give three categories. This is the first one. The three, unfortunately, I'm sorry, they have sub points. So I don't know how many points it is in total. Okay, this one has four. You can come up to me after the service and tell me you had 15 points, okay? It was a 15 point sermon maybe. But I say to you who hear, and he gives four verbs for us to embody in the midst of difficulty. Love, do good, bless, and pray for. Love, do good, bless, and pray for. The first response of the people of God in the midst of difficulty and confusion and all those kind of things is to react or respond in a posture in accordance with what Jesus lays out here. Love, which means love is defined scripturally. Again, defined by the Bible. Now, how does the Bible define love? Read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's patient. It believes the best. It um, endures. It uh, doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Like there's all sorts of ways that the scripture invites us to see what love looks like. Love isn't a sentimental feeling. It's not just an emotion of uh, sentimental like um, disposition towards you. It's not even just like uh, a, 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 a unwillingness to like look at hard things or I just accept blindly, right? It has skin to it. Jesus tells us what love looks like and he defines that for us. So love, that's the first posture. Do good, right? That's, that's like looking for ways to do good by others where you feel at odds with them, right? So you seek for ways to do good to them, even in spite of places where they might not be acting in that way towards you, right? So we seek to do good. We seek to, um, thirdly, bless. Blessing has to do with our words and how we speak about one another, what we say about one another. Blessing is a remarkably potent and powerful reality that we have been given, one that I'm sad to say, and I, I say this 
for me, I don't say this for anyone else, I'm sad to say has not been fostered and nurtured in our spiritual family at the level that I would like to see it. I would love for us to be a spiritual family where blessing and honoring and speaking forth the truth of God's grace among one another and over one another was the primary disposition of how we used our tongues. I long for that day. And I, I have repented for and will continue to repent for any known place where that has not been the case in my own life and leadership. And in the ways that that has created or fostered a place where sarcasm or slander has been allowed, I'm sorry for that. I repent for that. And ask and continue to seek to live in a different way. Because the power of life and death, the scriptures say, is in the tongue. It's in the tongue. And I want us to be a family where the primary disposition of our speech about one another and to one another is blessing, honoring, calling forth. This is what God's at work doing in your life. I see this in you. I want to look you in the face and see the budding virtues of what God is doing in your life and speak those over you and ask the Spirit of God to call them forth in you, not look at the predominant areas of shortcoming and weakness that we're all so quick to see and, and define one another by those. That's what I want to be about. So we love we do good, we bless, and we pray for. We pray for, like sincerely pray for. And this isn't, hey, here's a fun one. This isn't pray for that person over there to realize that they're wrong. That's not what it means. It means pray for all that God has for that person. God, would you bless that person Cause your face to shine on that person. Would you make yourself abundantly known to them? Would you bless their family, their marriage, their ministry, like whatever that is? God, would you bless them? Would you release all that you have for them? That's what pray for means. It doesn't mean show them all the places that they're wrong. Don't, don't get that. Because here's, here's one thing that I've said uh, to our elders over the last several uh, months that I desire, and I wanna, again, this is an invitation into, let's be this way as a family. Most people are profoundly gracious with themselves and really exacting with everyone else. I want us to be opposite of that. I want us to be really exacting with ourselves. And I don't mean condemning of ourselves. I don't mean lashing ourselves in a, a spirit of condemnation and wallowing in self-pity. That's not what I mean. I mean ruthless to call sin, sin in our own lives, repent of it, wage war against it, and run into the grace of God to see transformation there. I want us to be really exacting about ourselves and really gracious with others. Really gracious with others. 
So that's the first category, the Luke 6, love, do good, bless, pray for. The second, you don't have to go back there because we read it before, is the 1 Peter 2. The 1 Peter 2, 23. Jesus, who continued to entrust himself to his Father, to the one who judges justly. This means that the Lord promises to vindicate his people in his time and in his way. We seek to entrust ourselves to him by trusting his leadership, his ways, his timing, and his process. Here's, a, here's something I've prayed a lot through this season. Because one, one of the glorious invitations for us in seasons like this is we get to learn a lot about ourselves. We learn a lot about ourselves. We get to extract every ounce of truth that's being said. There's lots of things that I didn't see. It's like, oh my goodness. Whoa, oh Lord, help me here. Help me grow there. Help me see that. Help me to be transformed into your likeness in this place. There's also things we learn about ourselves where we wanna stand up and like fight or run hard against it or clear our name or go forth and do all these things, which shows all of the places that functionally I don't actually trust. I don't actually trust. And I get more grace there too. But the Lord promises that he will bring judgment in its time. He judges justly. So we can entrust ourselves to him and we don't have to spend all this energy trying to go, well, is this and is this not this? Is this like, here's the, here's the true story or here's what really happened or this and the, uh. I wanna go, God, what do you say is the true story? Bring me into alignment, alignment with that as much as possible. Let me run hard after your face and being a witness to you in this world. And then let me trust you. I've been chewing on a, uh, a quote from George Whitfield a ton through this season that I want to, one day, you know, it's like when you get something worked in you, you get to claim it as your own because there's nothing new under the sun, right? So one day I'll say, this is my quote, as I've said for years, but I have, some, I have some years to live before that's the case. George Whitfield came under tons of uh, maligning as he's doing ministry through the colonies. And he, all his people around him would stand up and go, hey, tell the, tell the truth, like tell the story, tell the real story, tell what's going on. And he would tell them, I am content to wait till judgment day for my reputation to be cleared. And he says, when I, and even when I die, even, even if it's not cleared at my death, all I want my tomb to say is, here lies GW. He didn't even want his whole name on it. The type of man he really was, only the day will tell. I wanna live that way. I want us to live that way as a people, entrusting ourselves to the Lord. The last thing that I want us to do is, to be zealous to walk out the biblical process together. Go to Matthew 18. Matthew 18 outlines this for us. Jesus doesn't leave us without a way to walk through 
relational difficulty, relational hardship, all those kind of things. I'm going to read verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Now, I want to just highlight two things from this. Number one is I long to, and again, I'm just saying this is what Ron desires, and I'm inviting you into this. I want to, part of the thing that I have desired for us as we walk through this, even if there are public um, things that are being stated, I want to go in private. I want to go in private. I don't have any energy to stand up in front of you all and try to go, hey, we're going to answer in this way and this way and this way and this way. Like, I want to go because the process of biblical reconciliation is all about winning a brother, not about winning an argument. That is what I desire for us. And I have watched many of your pastors over the last six months do this very thing. And I'm really proud of them. I'm really proud of them. And want to continue to walk in this way. And so there will be places, and the reason I'm saying this, maybe is in some ways to let you down a little bit. To go, if there is a day that you are imagining where we're gonna stand up and go, this is what's really going on, or this and this and this, and we're gonna answer it all, I wanna let you down. We are committed to, I wanna go privately to people and go, hey, this was said. Can we, can we restore this in as much as possible? Now that may not be possible. There may be places where that's not possible, but in as much as possible, that is my desire. And I long for us to do that together. Amen? Amen, okay. That's the second one. Now I'm gonna run through this last one, hopefully quickly. I've already been talking too long. Okay, take your Bibles, open to Acts 13. This is, this is the last thing. You've already got your Bibles open because you've been good sword drills. So when we came to this season, this next season, as we look at the summer, what's in front of us, like we've talked about some, like it's clear that the, there's a chapter coming to a close and a new one going to be written and opened. Um, I, came, I, I came to our elders, uh, there was a lot of real desire as we met uh, a few weeks ago. And we're starting to go, man, we got a lot of big decisions to make. We have a lot of decisions um, in front of us. How are we gonna structure ourselves? Uh, who's, who's going to lead? Like, how are, we, how are we navigating some of these big questions that are in front of us in this season? And I loved, it, he said it, I'm so glad he said it, and he got a good chuckle from it. I've loved Ricky's statement uh, to us so many times of like, hey, we need to just fall on our face now and ask God what he wants, because we're gonna fall on our face and he's gonna get what he wants either way. 
So uh, if we've learned one thing over the last several years, uh, it's like God's gonna get what he wants and we're gonna be humble in the midst of it, hopefully. So we're coming and going, how do we want to walk into this season? And you have to, you have to understand a couple things. There's some real natural realities at play here, right? And God knows all of this. We're coming to something that's about to be new at a really unfortunate time, right? We've walked through 18 months of real difficulty together. There's a lot of sadness and uh, exhaustion and like uh, grieving and all of that together. That's, that's real. And we're walking into the season in the calendar year where life as a church kind of takes a breath, right? The summer months are not the time when you like ramp something up. They're not. They're not the time you make big changes. It's like people are at the lake and uh, on vacation and doing that whole thing, right? And so God's sovereign over that too. He knows what he's doing. And so as we're looking at things, we all had this sense of, man, we don't want to just hit the ground and put something on a whiteboard and all get excited about it and run toward it. We have enough gifting and energy and drive and all that kind of stuff to do that. And we don't want to. We actually want to fight against that in this season. And so uh, we had that meeting on a Tuesday night. And the next Wednesday morning, I came to our staff pastors and put something on the table from Acts 13. And I said, what if this shaped the next season of our life together? Now, Acts 13, if you're not familiar with it, um, is this portrait of the church at Antioch and it's the, the context in which Paul and Barnabas get sent out as the first um, missionaries to the Gentiles in a really focused way. It's profound um, and I absolutely love it. For the last 12 years of my life, uh, Acts 13 has served as a remarkably beautiful picture to me of what I long to be a part of. I mean, you've got so many amazing things. You've got the picture of prophets and teachers dwelling together in unity. And I think it's amazing that Luke highlights these two offices, right? There's other places that tell us more offices, but Luke goes, prophets and teachers were living together. Why? Well, I wonder if it's because throughout church history, those two offices have the hardest time getting together. Right? Prophets who love the ministry of the Spirit and the voice of God and the revelatory gifts and the supernatural. And then the teachers who are going, hey, let's go line by line through the word and engage our minds. And they're living together in this beautiful harmony of word and spirit. That's number one that I love. The second thing we see is they're worshiping the Lord. Look at... Uh, Number two, or uh, uh, verse two. While they're worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit speaks. So the primary expression of their community we see in this passage was worshiping the Lord. 
This could be shorthand just for the gathering uh, together on the Lord's day, but I don't think it is because he says they're doing this with fasting as well, which means this seems more like a season. They were, they were seeking the face of God together and they were doing that primarily through worship, right? We think of seeking the face of God primarily through petitioning him to do things, right? We, we come to a season where we don't know what to do and we go, okay, what are all the things we need God to speak at? Let's come before him and ask him to show us all those things. They gather together, they go, hey, we're seeking the face of God. Let's just come before him and tell him who he is. Let's just praise him and thank him and glorify him and minister to him and remind ourselves of all of the truth that he is. They're not even asking, God, would you tell us what to do next? Would you open our eyes to see what it is that you have for us? They're worshiping the Lord and then they're seasoning it with fasting and into that moment, the spirit of God speaks, do this, do this. Set these men apart, set them apart in this way for this purpose. Then they fast and pray again, which I think is pretty remarkable, right? How many of us, when we get an answer from the Lord, we're out the door tomorrow? Maybe that minute, right? They get the answer and they go, okay, hold on. We're gonna fast and pray some more. And then we're gonna respond. Kind of amazing. So one of the things that I want us to do in this season is to focus our attention. This is back to the first thing. Focus our attention on the person of God, who he is in the place of worship. On Easter Sunday, I received, I received a word from somebody in our congregation uh, during, the, during the service, right after one of the services, came down. Uh, it's kind of a fun ex- uh, uh, encounter that happened with, he was gonna go to a different church that morning because he was late and then he ended up not. He came here, he heard the Lord say something during the sermon, he was gonna go out that way but he felt prompted not to, went down that way, met me at the bottom of the stairs and said, I had to say this to you. But the, the, the essence of the word was the key for the church, our church in this season, was to worship, to worship. He said there's power in worship and the Lord was inviting us to see that the key for our church in this season was simply to worship him, worship him together. So the month of June, our elders are gonna seek to spend more time together praying, fasting, worshiping individually and together. I just wanna let you know this. We're fasting every Monday and Tuesday together and gathering over the lunch hour on these days to seek the face of God. We'll have a meeting on June 21st together, a, normal, a normally scheduled elder meeting. Our staff are gonna be carving out extended times to worship, pray and seek the face of God together. These will happen on Tuesday mornings. I wanna invite Anyone of, in our church, any one of you, if you would join us on Tuesdays and fast with us through the month of June, the rest of the month of June, I know there's not many more, but we're gonna do it. To seek God's face, to ask him to speak. We want his voice to resound. I'm, I'm, I want nothing other than what he has for us no matter what it looks like, no matter what it costs, no matter what it means. 
I want to be in line with that and run hard after that. Two things that I want to invite you to by way that you could respond as well. So there's the fasting on Tuesdays. The next two Sunday nights, we have prayer meetings scheduled at 6.30 in the chapel. I would love to invite any of you all to come and be a part of those. Just an opportunity for us to be together, seek God's face. And then every Sunday morning at eight o'clock and at 10 o'clock, depending on what service you come to, our prayer team gathers together to pray right up under the balcony in the very back there. Come and be a part of that. I would love to see us be the kind of people that show up early, ready, hungry on Sundays to seek the face of God together. I think it is the place that we are being called in this season is to lay down some of our like, this is, if I had this, I would be okay. Or if I had this answer, I think I'd be fine. Or man, this thing doesn't make sense to me to put some of those things aside together, to come before the face of God and say, this is who you are. This is what you're like. The Psalms tell us that God is enthroned on the praises of his people. What that means is God's always enthroned, right? He sits on his throne in heaven regardless. He expresses his manifest kingship among his people in particular ways when we praise him together. Amen? Okay, we've gone a long time. It's a lot of stuff. Here's what we're gonna do. We are going to stand together. We're gonna respond to the Lord. I'm gonna pray for us for a minute. Then we're gonna come to the table together as a family. We're gonna celebrate the broken body, the shed blood of Jesus as, as our family meal together. And we're gonna, we're gonna sing together for a little while. And here's, here's what I want you to feel the freedom of. You're welcome to go at this point. I mean, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna linger here for a little while. Um, you're, you're welcome to uh, take communion and leave if you need to slip out. Uh, kids, you have done an unbelievable job. An unbelievable job. Thank you guys. Thank you guys for being here. Um, let me just pray for us. Let's just take a minute and present ourselves to the Lord as a family. God, here we are. We ask that you would be here among us. Holy Spirit, would you, would you move among us even in this moment? Hey, and let me just say this. I, I see a couple of y'all doing it. This is good. Thank you. Uh, if you've got kiddos in, in, in childcare under three, um, if you would maybe in the next couple minutes go and get them, that would be wonderful. It's okay if we've got movement in here too. Spirit of God, we just invite you. We invite your presence. 
We invite your ministry among us. God, we just say yes to you. We say yes to your ways. We say yes to your purposes. God, I ask in all the places across this room, even where there's like disappointment and sadness and confusion. God, I just ask that you would reveal yourself even in, that, in those places to us right now. God, would you, would you reveal yourself as the King, as the Comforter, as the Lord? Jesus, would you show yourself to us as the one who in his life, death, and resurrection empowers us and welcomes us and gives us life. God, we want to be a people that is marked by love and grace and tenderness. God, in the places where that hasn't been our, um, our family, like the way we relate to one another together, would you purge us? Would you cleanse us? Would you renew us? Would you, would you give us maybe even this morning the grace to be like, to create some new patterns together that look like blessing and loving and doing good and praying. God, would you give us confidence there? And God, I ask that as we seek your face, as we worship you, as we call upon your name, I ask that you would move in our midst. God, would you speak? Would you utter your voice? Would you let us know what it is you're doing? God, I ask for things like Jesus says in John chapter five that he only did what he saw you doing. God, would you give us, um, would you give us spiritual eyes to see what you are already at work doing? Would you give us the grace to just jump in that river? Like jump in that current. I, we don't wanna go our own way. We don't wanna run after something that isn't in line with what you want. God, would you give us your grace and your power to show us those things? I ask for that individually for each and every person in this room. And I ask for that corporately. God, corporately, would you give us eyes to see what it is you're doing? God, and would you do that in a lot of ways? I actually ask that you would activate among the body, the gifts of the spirit for the building up of this church. God, would you release a revelatory prophetic gifting among us? God, we desire it. I say, would you give all of it that you have for us to us? God, would you, as a people, we even celebrated last week Pentecost. As a people of Pentecost, you said that when the spirit came, we would be people that dream dreams and see visions and every one of us will prophesy sons and daughters, young and old. God, I ask that you would activate that in our midst. Would you let that saturate us? 
God, we want to hear from you. God, would you activate the ministry of the word in greater levels in our, in our midst? We honor your word. We love your word. We love your word. Would you conform us to it? Would you, would you release in our midst more people who are able to instruct in your word too? God, would you give us that? And then would you give us your voice? God, as we worship you, as we exalt you, as we honor you. We're gonna come to the table together. Here's what I want, I, I want for us. We're gonna, we're gonna linger here for a little bit. Uh, like I said, you can, you can make your way out if you need to. Um, servers are welcome to come forward. We've got prayer ministers always that would love to pray with and for you. If there's things that you wanna pray with, if there's somebody across the room that you feel like you need to pray with, let's, I want to, if I, if I get a little, little vote, I mean, we'll see what the Lord does, right? But if I get a little vote, um, in the days that come, I would like to see movement in this sanctuary. Now, I know it's not designed perfectly for it, but like, let's, let's uh, break, the, break the stagnant, like we're just standing where we are. Let's move and minister in and among one another. It's what we get to do. We get to do this one time a week together. Now we do it in small groups and all that kind of stuff as well. But we gather as a family one time to, to seek the face of God, to pray over one another, to encourage one another. Let's ask God to release his gifts among us and do those things. So we've got prayer ministers. If you felt stirred about something, you feel convicted about something, you feel like you want more of God's grace in, a, in one of those areas, come and have somebody pray with you pray with you and, and set your face before God in that way this morning. And so what we're gonna do is come and receive from the table as well. And how we're gonna do that this morning, the table uh, is open to any and all who would call upon the name of Jesus, who put their faith in him and him alone. This, this table is open to any and all who put their trust in him who look to him and say, I have nothing to bring. My sin, my brokenness, my rebellion against God deserves his judgment and wrath. But because of the life, the death and resurrection of Jesus, I have access to God by faith through him alone. If you believe that you're a Christian, we wanna invite you to come and take communion. We take, take communion at Redeemer by tearing a piece of the bread, dipping it in the, dipping it in the cup wine in the stoneware, juice in the glassware. You know where the servers are. We've got a single serve over here. Or no, 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 it's gluten-free. It's not single serve anymore. Yeah, okay. It's gluten-free though. Uh, to my right over here. Um, if you're in the room and you're not a Christian, I wanna thank you for being here. Uh, thanks for being here. We're glad you're here. Uh, this is a unique Sunday for you to be here but we'll trust that the Lord has something for you. But don't feel the pressure to come and take this meal if you don't put your faith in Jesus. Uh, we'd rather you stay in your seat. This, this meal is a signifier of a reality of faith that exists in a life. And so don't come and take this meal. Stay where you're at. We're really glad you're here. 
Uh, but we're gonna respond this way now and we'll sing for a little while and close us down. But again, if you, if you need to leave, thank you for your time. We love you guys. Uh, amen.